The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is James Maynard, your co-host, <laughs> FB, your host to Inside Out. Welcome. Today's topic, when authority figures aren't around, how do we treat each other? An embarrassing exploration. We've all lived with authority figures, natural, step or foster parents, older siblings, teachers, even bosses. And we're used to those figures being in charge. What happens when they are no longer there, either because they died, became frail, or someone moved away? Do we rebel angrily against having been dominated in the past? Do we claim the role of authority figure or a critical parent with someone we think we can dominate? That's the one I chose to do when I decided to become a parent, but I also try to do it with others as well. Do we try to punish the sibling we think the parents favor? Do we pick on someone who represents that sibling to us now? Do we seek a new authority? Let's get conscious about how we behave when no one's in charge. Let's laugh, heal, and transform our sibling relationships wherever they show up, with mates, friends, or anywhere else. So stay tuned, call in, or email Beth if you'd like to participate. And now, here's Beth from the Inside Out. Hi, everybody. Well, this is such a fun topic. Well, it's not fun living through it, but it is fun laughing about it. Um, But before we laugh about that, I just want to say we got an email from Helen about our last show. And uh, our last show was about inner sanctuary and the guru was on with us and he said so many interesting and profound things about how to create sanctuary inside us and uh, she said let me get her comment another great show wonderful personal insights from the guru but ones that apply to everyone thanks so much and I was just speaking to another one of our listeners just a few minutes ago and she said I'm sure she was exaggerating she said I listened to that show seven times. So <laughs> I have been thinking about that show. I really have. It's not too late, guys. You can go back and listen to the podcast. I was thinking about that show because every time I was in a huff or a puff or had a mood, I said, now, what does my inner sanctuary feel like today? And how can I change that? And sometimes it's pretty embarrassing because we think we're punishing other people by being all pissy and all of that. But actually, we're ruining our own sanctuary, which should be our inside. And one woman uh, who had asked a question about um, her inner sanctuary, the guru told her that she went into herself uh, in order to fume He wasn't saying that about her, but it could be that she was like that, that she would fume and that that isn't creating sanctuary either, that many of us go into ourselves uh, and we have these inner conversations where we just get mad or resentful or put other people down. And uh, it looks like it's a safe place because nobody's hearing us and nobody can come back and get us because of it. 
But on the other hand, we have to live with that energy and that doesn't feel very good. So I do recommend that you go back and listen to that show if you didn't. But today's show is, oh my God, I feel like uh, I'm living this in technicolor when the authority figures are, are not here. James and I have been going through some melodrama about an escrow on a house and it feels like there's nobody in charge. And what happens often is that people bully each other, you know, or they're timid with each other or whatever. It's like, what happened in your family when mom and dad weren't there? You know, a lot of families, one of the kids hit the other. Um, Or uh, there were so many other dynamics that happened. Well, that happens to us in real life. But on the other hand, and this is the kicker, we don't want to have a hierarchical world where, you know, we believe in co-creating a world of equality where people co-create and they work together. Well, when we're, we're still carrying some of these old pathological behaviors from the past of how we coped, oh, some of us are just snitches. I'll tell on you. That's how we handled it. Um, and as I said, some of us are bullies and some of us are placators and some of us try to look important and some of us just go hide. So <laughs> there's lots of ways to handle that. And so here we are trying to co-create a better world. And uh, we're trying to co-create a world where there aren't these arbitrary authority figures that everybody has to listen to. Listen to because remember how parents used to say, um, you have to listen to me because I said so. I don't know if you remember those days, James. James, do you remember those days? Oh, yes. Oh, you, yeah. just, you just do it because I tell you to. That's right. Now, there have been a lot of generations since our upbringing, and now it's um, you have to prevail upon your children to listen to you, and uh, they probably don't listen anyway. But that's going to be creating a lot of new, interesting dynamics. But we're trying to get away from hierarchy, but we might find ourselves in chaos. So I believe that Madame Mazurka said she was going to show up today, and we certainly hope that you guys show up too. And this is going to be a little bit like True Confessions, because the first question is, what do you do when the authority figure isn't around? And how does that feel? And is that working for us? So why don't we start with you, James? Because I, I, you know, being the host... And you're only the co-host. See, I'm in charge. <laughs> I am the authority figure here. So, uh, not that I have any power, by the way. A lot of authority figures have realized that they don't have any power, especially when the people they're supposed to be you know, running uh, band together. So, I often have thought, and tell me if you haven't had this thought too, that... The king would have had no power in the Middle Ages or any other place or a time if everybody woke up on the same day and said, we're not going to listen to him. <laughs> you know, because you can only wield so many swords yourself. You know, you need your army. So, you know, when people don't want to listen, they don't. And what we're really hoping for is that instead of having hierarchy or fear or just habit get people to listen to one another, that we actually listen to one another because we hear wisdom from each other. But then on the other hand, do we want to admit that someone else has wisdom 
if we're trying to take on the role of the wise. Anyway, I asked you a question, James, but I had to editorialize on myself in that moment that I wanted to impress on everyone that I am the authority figure here, and therefore I'm picking on you, James. <laughs> Would you repeat the question? <laughs> the que- uh, do I remember my question? My question, <laughs> my question was, how did you behave when the authority figures weren't around? Ah, okay. Well, of course, uh, I was, uh, I would lord it over my brother, that's for sure. He was a year and a half, uh, about a year younger than me, actually. And uh, my sister, uh, she was in a different category since she was a girl. Uh, so my brother and I would be physical, and of course, I always had to be top dog. Uh, so yeah, I would, uh, I would try to be the dominant uh, authority figure there. Um, so that's, that was my dynamic all the time we were growing up. Are you trying to tell us that you were a little bully? Only with him. <laughs> <laughs> we have a caller. Helen is on the phone, and we are delighted. Hi. Hi, Helen. Um, you know, I never thought about this before, but I was thinking when you asked that question, I thought, bingo. I'm, I'm like James in that as soon as I'm let free from the authority, I want to be the boss. Mm-hmm. Um, but not in terms of beating anybody up or anything, just being bossy. And I was thinking, I wonder if that's because I, you know, feel had felt so suppressed when the uh, when the parents were around that as soon as they left, I it's like that angry energy, that bossy energy, that desire to you know be in control of my own uh, life just jumps right out. Ooh, yes. I think that's really very important because I, I think we, we even started out by talking about that. If, you know, if you are so used to being uh, the suppressed or the bossed around one, uh, you only have the paradigm of either being the boss or being bossed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you have in your frame of reference that there's any other way to be. You know, we haven't co-created that world yet where, you know, from each according to his ability to each according to his needs. And people, um, and then on top of that, I'm sure that you were, if you were the boss in that family, but in some, you might not have been the top dog. You might have been, let's say, in the middle or close to the top or a little bit closer to the bottom. And you're still carrying within you that paradigm, and you have a bossy sibling. So, but you don't want to give that sibling the same latitude that you give the bossy parent, because the bossy sibling is not paying your bills. Although sometimes bossy siblings are taking care of the kids when you have the absentee mother. I mean, there's a lot of ways that are, you know, that adults can be absent. Not only that they're not in the room, but they could be drunk on the couch, you know, or at work and there's no babysitting. So um, that's extremely true that we may have only have that paradigm and then we have to protect ourselves from being bossed around by other siblings. Was there any other sibling in your family that could have tried to boss you around? Well, I had a brother that was a year and a half older than I was but he was more shy than I. So I think I, you know, could sense his vulnerability and just took advantage of it. 
Well, I bet you <laughs> <laughs> that there's a little more to that. That maybe he did want to boss you around. But that uh, for some reason you were able to avoid that. Now, wh- why do you think that might have been? Hmm. I don't know. Was he afraid of getting in trouble? He was, but I have a feeling that it has something to do with the relationship of the other siblings. Well, I'm completely ignorant. Okay, well, I I had four other siblings, all younger than I. Uh, Okay. And then one older. Okay, and were most of them girls or also boys, or what were they? There were three girls younger and one boy younger. Okay, and... I'm really getting pushy today because I'm the only authority here. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to push my authority. Um, how, how did the other boy relate to the older boy? Well, n- not very much, I don't think. That's right. So they didn't buddy up and gang up mm. on the girls or do any of that? No. Nope. No. So, what was the reality of what your older brothers was facing in terms of the constellation of that family, girls and boys, and who was colluding with whom? And where was the authority? I guess everyone was colluding kind of against him, five to one. Yes. Yes. And why were they doing that? Did they pick up on my mother's somehow yes or I don't know rejecting him in some way uh, yes your mother's attitude towards the male species mm-hmm. um, her not wanting him to dominate um, mm-hmm. and uh, whew, I can feel something around this can't you yeah he I think he hit me or somebody with a little hammer sometime or you know, I think he felt a lot of emotion and, and yeah, was yeah. trying to express his pain and couldn't. And then he was kind of beat down for trying, you know, for letting it out yeah. in a violent way. And Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, why didn't your younger brother gang up with the older brother against this uh, matriarchy? Because I, I was probably afraid he would get the same treatment. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, he was he was aligned with my mother even though I think she drove him crazy but he was aligned yes. with my mother. That's right. Till she died. That is correct. So I think he became like your mother's ally and uh did that in all things and so your brother was the one male energy that was trying to stand up for male domination. Not that I'm recommending it, you understand. <laughs> but we <Yeah. laughs> but we're just looking at It sounds pretty at- good to me. <laughs> That would be the case. Uh, so that's the way it was. And, um, you know, he was facing uh, a lot of females and felt very undermined. And uh, it wasn't the kind of world that we're trying to co-create because we hadn't gotten rid of the domination uh, energy. We were just uh, changed who was dominant. Yes. So, well, that was a great call. I really want to thank you for calling, Helen. And thank I'd, you. It's given me a lot to think about. 
Excellent. And we really encourage other people to call in, if you dare, to talk about what the dynamics may have been in your family and what role you have played. And, um, and you know, how does it really feel? And is there anything else? You know, and let's also talk about competition because there are so many things. It's not just domination. It's also how we compete with each other, not only for domination, but in every other way to prove ourselves. So don't go away. We're going to be taking a commercial break and come back with us and dare to call. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Welcome back. Uh, so, James, were you inspired by something that Helen said? Uh, yes. Well, actually, I was inspired by confessing to yet another pattern I have oh. that when, this, when the authority <laughs> figure is not there. Okay. In the in the intro that I gave, one of the uh, things I threw out as a possibility was: Do we seek a new authority if our parental authority is no longer there, or some other authority is no longer there? And I had that pattern too. And so uh, I do see you as an authority, and uh, so then I go about. Uh, competing with you or rebelling against your authority, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> as you might have noticed. And, so, and sometimes it raises my hackles when you, the female, are being the same kind of uh, strong personality that my mother was, which, of course, pushed my buttons, and, of course, that pattern pushes my buttons. It may be my perceived pattern of, of somebody else's behavior. So there it is. So uh, you're a strong woman. And uh, there are times, um, like over this uh, real estate escrow issue that you just mentioned, uh, you might have noticed we had a few differences of opinion. (laughs) You know, I'm so glad that you are bringing this up, James, because Uh for so many of us, that this is the case, that we are reacting to 
uh, some old feeling that we have about being dominated as opposed to really taking a look at what's for our own highest good. You know, it's like when the parent tells you to do something and it really would help, but you don't want to listen because it's mommy or daddy who's saying it. Or the tone of voice. Yeah. (laughs) Well... Or you imagine a certain tone of voice. Right, but true. It, it's it's so much we dismiss information. You know, sometimes we listen to people because they we've given them authority and we shouldn't. And sometimes we don't listen to people because we see them as authority figures and we want to rebel. And in neither case are we actually taking care of ourselves. Yes. You know, that's, so that's a great one. We have another caller. Uh, Irene is on the phone, and she has a true confession. <laughs> uh, I probably have several, um, but uh, and rather than but the the family I grew up in, the the parents were dominating, and uh, but when they left, my oldest sister was, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it, I have such, what you just said was so true, which is I never joined her and connected with her and got what she for me, which actually was much more than the sister, older, just, just uh, a bit older than me, uh, that I so fought the domination mm. that I didn't see it all. Her, her. She really loved me and tried to support me and was alone. And it's only been in my adulthood that I really have connected with her. Um, but I, I am very dominating. I was the youngest of four. I don't feel dominated by the two in the middle. But my pattern when I have authority is to uh, to want to make rules and and uh, insist people follow them. <laughs> so I hide my own, you know, that I'm dominating. It's the rules they're not following. Oh, and that's clever. <laughs> it's very clever. I'm just trying to create order. <laughs> and And I can remember when I was... Uh, uh, a junior in high school uh, in a physics or chemistry class and the teacher wasn't there one day and I don't know why we didn't have another teacher but we were talking about how we did our homework and I decided the teacher had taught it all wrong. Now here I am like 16. <laughs> oh, uh, The teacher had taught it all wrong and that's why we were confused and I retaught the lesson my way. I mean, this is how outrageous it was. Oh, my and, God. What a great yeah. story. I mean, I taught the whole class, and uh, no one complained or <laughs> said, what are you doing? And until uh, the next day when the teacher came back, and she didn't pay much attention to what I had said. She <laughs> taught the class. And, of course, I was all wrong. Oh, God. But... Uh, I I have this until very recently. <laughs> I have this fantasy of uh, that that really contributes to my dominating and competition. Both that both of them 
have been ongoing problems from my life, all during my life. Uh, and that pattern is to try to dominate. I, you know, there's something, Madame Mazurka, I think, is uh, is uh, on the line here. Uh, Madame Mazurka, does it... Not everybody out there knows who Madame Mazurka is. I have these two personalities that come out uh, of, on the show sometimes. You just never know. The Guru and Madame Mazurka. And Madame M uh, is, is here, and she comes out of my mouth, but uh, I take no responsibility for what she says. So that's, that's, that gives me the absolute... She's a domineering character, I must say. Okay, so Madame Mazurka, uh, do you have something to say? Darling, I, I was waiting for you to introduce me. I'm so delighted to be on the program, and uh, I, I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to share my wisdom. Well, <laughs> I'm glad that you're... So, Madam Zerka, did you have a comment about Irene, or did you have a question for Irene, or did you want to say something about yourself that is just part of this conversation? Well, yes, this is... Um, I would say that, um, Irene, you, this is very good that you're talking about this, but, well, you know, it's also the between your parents. I mean, you were talking like... Okay, your parents dominated you as though they were one. You know, they're like a, two cardboard characters that become on two sides of the cardboard. <laughs> and um, when you uh, when they weren't there, you know that you you try to dominate. But um, there are a few pieces missing from this puzzle. The one is was it really true that both were dominant in the same way, and also who actually dominated when your parents weren't there. Well, the second question is easier than the first. I think I think it was my oldest sister, uh, Jerry. Uh, but that's a good uh, question. I was did, did everyone did everyone listen to the Jerry? Um, no, I don't know. <laughs> so was she dominating? How can you dominate if nobody listens to you? <laughs> Well, that's a good question. Well, she was trying to. <laughs> ah, she was. No, right. it's true. That's right. It's true. No. You're, you're. That is brilliant. <laughs> she wasn't, and, <laughs> Thank and you, darling. Soon Thank you. <laughs> got tired of it and and abandoned us all. <laughs> well, she got tired of it, and you abandoned her all. So and uh, what? So what happened with the children when they didn't have the, uh, Jerry to dominate? Well, um, Kathy could dominate me because I really needed her. Uh, I needed her love and affection. And she, but she did it in, uh, not by ordering me around at all, but by, um, being sweet and needy and, uh, oh, Rainy. Oh, I thought, uh, Irene. I mean, yes. when your parents were not there and uh, nobody would let Jerry dominate, so who was dominating? Well, I think we all did our own thing. No. No, was it me? Yes. So how did hmm. you pipsqueak? How <laughs> yeah. did you, darling? How did you tend to dominate everybody? Because you had a very rehearsed act. 
that you ex- that you did later in life? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by um, taking care of them, doing what they wanted, trying to make them, you know, want me, mm. want what I had. Exactly. So then, because... Uh, Darling, the, um, the, the older sister, she wasn't listened to, so you figured another way to um, dominate. That yeah. would work better because just being dominating didn't work at that family. So Absolutely. now I'm going to ask yeah. you to, rev- yeah. to review the question that I was asking you before, um, which is, um, how was your parents? Oh, well, that's a good question. Uh, I guess my mother actually dominated things. That's right. And that, how did she do that? Well, she wasn't well, and her needs were... Um, this is uh, not it, to quote okay. Beth. But Beth loves to say that's not it. She <laughs> actually learned it from me, but she doesn't know. <laughs> well, um, how did she dominate? By, um, I don't know, cajoling my father in some way. How did uh, she dominate the children, the family? I understand yeah. that people had to take care of her because she was sick. But what did she, if to be really honest, how, how did she dominate the family? Well, I guess... I guess the same way I did by trying yeah, to. Yes, darling. Yes, darling. This is it. Oh, you. She really was the one who took care. Yeah. Yes. So I funny. learned it from her. If I guess, funny you didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Amazing. Yes. It's so interesting because I saw her as so weak. Boy, was yes. I blinded. That you were, she wasn't, and you were uh, competing with her, her the Viva, you always thought of her as weak because she could, she really, she did very much more to the family than you did. She did, uh, I don't, say that again? I, I think what Madame Mazurka just said, that she could do more for the family than you could. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you were putting her down. So you were competing with your mother by talking about how weak she was in the uh, arena that you were competing with her in, which is who is the, the best caretaker, which you would have to have lost. Yes, yes. So that yes. puts together the role that you took. If I'm following you, Madame Azorka, of course you are. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that is very delicious, isn't it? That is. <laughs> That is. I'm going to give a lot of thought to that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. Well, that's. this has been a fun experience. So now we're seeing domination and competition all integrating into one big cesspool of unconscious motivations that really don't help because... As we can see, I mean, here's a child who's trying to make herself the indispensable one and trying to look like she's giving more than her mother, which really sets her on a course of life that could be slavery. You know, because it's, you know, you're, you're thinking 
that you're dominating by making yourself into a service uh, mat for people. (laughs) (laughs) But what are you really gaining from this? I'm I'm not really sure. So that's pretty fascinating. Um, So did anything else come to you, James? Well, I was just kind of uh, ruminating about what you were just talking about, how uh, when you try to dominate and manipulate, uh, you, you really do become a slave to the people that you're trying to dominate because you're trying to gear your behavior to them. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. That's very interesting. That is. You know, I'm thinking too, right at this moment, in, in our family, um, um, it was, you know, my mother was dominant. There was no question about that. Um, so, uh, uh, and by the way, I, I failed to thank Irene for calling the show. So thank you, Irene. We really appreciate your call. A lot came out of it. And we invite anyone else who has the nerve uh, to call in and find out more about themselves on Inside Out today because we seem to be doing a lot of that. I like this, this interacting. Uh, well, we have been calling uh, Inside Out a kind of free uh, mini workshop every month, so every week, I mean. Um, so, yes, I was just thinking about how my mother dominated also, and she was very much, you know, a worker bee. I mean, she was such a hardworking woman and she had to keep everything organized and in line and perfectly clean. And I, I want to say that I didn't take after her in that respect. I like it to be perfectly clean, but I'm not going to do it. Right? She would. <laughs> um, so uh, there we go. And so I think that I could feel the absence of my father. And that was one of the authority figures who wasn't there. So in that case, it wasn't that both of them weren't there. It was that one was absent. And so I tried to become uh, the mate of my mother to do all the things that I knew that would please her. And, And it happened that a lot of the things that pleased her were kind of in my nature anyway. So that made it helpful. But I also got habituated to that role of, uh, you know, and it's, it's hard. I mean, it's tremendously hard work to always uh, be in charge of everything, isn't it? <laughs> 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 and uh, really, I don't know what the payoff is. Uh, you know, I, I <laughs> you, it gives you the satisfaction that you're in charge. And uh, sometimes, uh, okay, I'm not going to... I'm not going to pretend that there aren't some perks that go along with that. Sometimes if you really know what you're doing, things can go well. But other times you don't know what you're doing and you're only pretending and they aren't going well. And But you still have to pretend that you're still in charge because this is the role that you took on in order to feel dominated or abused as a child. And yep. uh, I had a brother who was older than me by three years and uh, he, he could be pretty mean. And um, I'm sure that he felt the collusion between my mother and me, you know, like we were the, the little team. And uh, it, was, it kind of reminds me a little bit of what Helen was talking about. We were the little team, and my father was uh, kind of not an authority figure. And so my brother got to play out the male role by dominating me. And um, so I don't know what he really gained from that when you think about it, except that he could feel more powerful than somebody uh, while I was busy 
uh, colluding with my mother and uh, causing even more resentments. And, uh, you know, this was one big happy nuclear family. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And the... This thing about competing, I, I'm gonna, we're going to be going on break in just a second, but I really want us to think about each one of you at home. Uh, now that we've all laughed at our own expenses, I want you to think about uh, the, what it was like in your family and um, who did dominate. And w- when the dominated, let's say that even a, an older sibling was the typical dominator, if that person who was typically dominating wasn't there, then what happened? And how did you feel? Because we've been talking a lot about the domination piece and not wanting to be dominated. But how did it feel when the authority figures weren't there? And how was that part of your response? So meditate on that and stick with us as we go to commercial break. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Well, we're back for our last leg of our show today, I can't believe how fast the time is coming or is passing. Well, that's what happens when the authority figures are gone. Uh, <laughs> time passes really fast. So I asked uh, our audience to really meditate on the question of what happened in their family when the authority figures weren't there and what role they played at. And I also asked, uh, what did you feel? So, uh, you know, let's deal with that for a moment. Uh, and... Uh, we have Carol from Escondido on the phone. Um, Hello. Carol, hi there. Glad to have you on Inside Out. Yes, thank you. So what is your comment or question? Well, I was just uh, uh, recognizing uh, that whole phenomenon of the domination in a family, and I suspect it's all in every family there's some imbalance like that. But yeah. I wanted to... Uh, 
just acknowledge that um, that was the piece that made me behave badly if I did so was trying to resist the domination of uh, my mother. Mm. And why did you feel such a need to resist her domination? Um, I think I got sucked into thinking that everything she did was right and then I recognized a lot of it was wrong and I didn't have a sense of being very free to explore other options. And obviously, I was an adolescent with a different point of view than she had. <laughs> oh, 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 you're talking about adolescence. Oh, yes, that does have its own special flavor. But I think, so let me see, what you're saying is possibly that when you discovered that your mother wasn't always right, you felt angry and started to act out more? It Was it out of us? I didn't act out in a way that she actually knew about, but I took my, right. Right. my own... But it, but what, what I heard, thought I heard you say is that for, at first you thought she was always right. And then when you discovered that she wasn't, then it kind of, the anger of having felt so dominated came out yeah. in your rebellion. Exactly. And I think that's absolutely right. And since I'm on a roll today of challenging my uh, callers, uh, I, I, you know, I think that we, I, I'd like to ask you, what was the exact moment, because there is an exact, I intuitively feel there's an exact moment, an exact moment when you got it, that your mother wasn't always right, and this anger at her started to rise. And of course, we understand that adolescents always go through some rebellion. They need to. It's part of the, uh, you know, their evolution. But there is something very specific. There were actually two times. One was I was not yet an adolescent. Mm-hmm. And I heard a screaming argument with my mom and dad. And, yes. um, and my mom was, ha- had simply no compassion, mm. no compassion in the conversation. And I knew that was wrong, though I didn't know much about the, the details of the you yes. know, argument's cause. Yes, but, yes. Yes. And that- um, that's it. Yes, that was it. That was it. You may not have been able to act it out as much at that time because of your youth, but it just eroded. It's, you know, this is such an important point, Carol, because so much, and we referred to this a little bit in the beginning of the show, we've been kind of laughing and joking a lot, but this is not funny. Uh, you know, I mean, this really affects a lot of people and a lot of lives, um, that people see through authority figures, Usually, at some point, uh, a lot of kids believe in the authority of their parents until they become disillusioned with them. And some of those kids then mask that disillusionment because they're afraid of the consequence of not having an authority figure. Some children are so repressed by their parents and are so afraid of uh, their own weakness because they haven't had that support by their parents of learning how to think for themselves so that when they discover that their parent, the authority figure, is really, um, you know, the emperor without clothes, they become terrified of living in a world where there is no real authority. And those kids might give their parents more authority to cover up that feeling that there's nobody in charge. 
And some, of course, compete and put the parents down and try to be anything like them. And sometimes the parent, the, the kid tries to be that parent because we are so afraid when there's no one in charge. And I, you know, I can feel in my gut as I'm talking to you <sighs> that you really felt that a lot in your childhood that no one was in charge. Oh. Well, yes, because I saw my mother and father acting much more juvenile with each other than my sister or I ever would have thought of doing. So right. um, I felt as if I was probably the only sane person because I was older than my sister. Mm-hmm. But that, of course, wasn't true. I was a kid, <laughs> and then I was an yeah. adolescent. But yeah. I took to be the one that was the uh, moral authority. <laughs> Yes, you you had to put order in the universe. Yes. And, um, you know, the question, of course, is always, uh, you know, how are you still playing that out today? Hmm. Well, I think that uh, I've avoided playing that out in my marriage since I have such a good communication and I have learned a bit about what didn't work with my parents. And yeah. with me to correct them or teach them. Um, on the other hand, I often can see in my last work experience where um, it was very hard to see that the people for whom I worked had any uh, integrity. And um, I felt as if it was my responsibility to, you know, take a, a stand on, with integrity being the, the core yeah, they were they were like children fighting and arguing, but um, that's that's the best example I can see. Well, something is just came to me as you were sharing, Carol, and yes. I'm so glad you you called. I think this is the first time you've ever called our show. Um, I I feel that you you know when you you gave the example earlier of the uh, that you your your mother lost status with you when you realized that she lacked compassion. And I think that you con- you conflated in your mind, you confused in your mind, uh, authority and order with compassion. And it's so fascinating because so many people see order as coming out of being, you know, just domineering, which is what yeah. we were talking about earlier. But in your mind, uh, it was the compassionate one that should have in your mind, right, as the child, that, sh- that you would give authority to someone with compassion and you stopped granting authority to someone who didn't have compassion. And I think that, I don't know if this is going to make any sense to you, but what I'm feeling in my gut is that you took on being compassionate as a substitute for all other forms of, compa- of authority. I think that's true. I think that's true, and I think that um, the, I mean, I also saw my father's weakness, but not until much later, you know, as a right, child. Right, 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 Yeah, and, you know, clearly what he had done was not a good thing, but yes. the, the compassion for the human being there was what uh, stopped me from having judgment about his behavior. Right. He said, child doesn't need to, to judge all the time, but, you know, we do. <laughs> So I see that, and, and I have often been a supporter of the underdog or the yes. someone who 
you know, has not been a, um, a particularly strong when they should have been strong. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. So, you know, any part of us out of balance... Uh, is going to cause a certain amount of chaos <laughs> for ourselves and others. And, uh, you know, I would like to recommend that uh, our listeners consider reading my book, Living with Reality, which is free. Uh, you can get it free by going to bethgreen.org. And there is a, 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 a program of, uh, you know, evolutionary program and healing and well-being. And one of the platforms is, is about becoming integrated. And I, I talk extensively about different aspects of our consciousness and how each one can become dominant. And so even within ourselves, different aspects of us can dominate. And um, so compassion, trying to take the place of all the other aspects of consciousness to give you authority... <laughs> can have pretty disastrous consequences. That's not likely to work. No, I've, it I've, isn't. I've had the evidence of that in my life, too, with my uh, own behavior. You're right on about that. Well, thank you so much, for Carol, Carol, for calling. I, I really loved your comment and your question, and it gave us a, a great opportunity to expound a little bit more on this topic. Call again. Okay. So this has really actually brought up to me... Um, Another thought, which is, you know, what is the authority? I, you know, I like to talk about or think about, you know, God is the authority or, uh, you know, higher consciousness is the authority. And, um, you know, what is that really? And in Living with Reality, I talk quite a bit about how the integration of consciousness um, is our goal. It's all the aspects of us need to be integrated. The compassionate, the bossy, the, uh, the fearful, the every aspect of our consciousness has a purpose. It has a voice. And that is true in a family. Uh, if you think about if the authority is gone in the uh, sense of the authoritarian figure, the one who holds all the cards, then we, all the other little pieces, have to find our rightful place, what we actually have to offer to one another, and see if we can't work together synergistically. When we are competing with one another, that becomes impossible, because we're not allowing each other to bring the totality of what we have into the conversation. And it's the same thing if we're talking about aspects of our own consciousness, uh, if some aspect of our consciousness is dominant, then it's not allowing other aspects of our consciousness to speak up. So um, if there is a part of me that's very uh, controlling or a part of me that's fear-based or a part of me that's angry or a part of me that's compassionate or a part of me that's wise, oh, that's still just an aspect. And the the integration of all those aspects of my consciousness are much more likely to come up with a, a wise choice and a good decision than just being dominated by one part of me, like the stubborn part or the, <laughs> or the fearful part. And so, um, you know, what, the author- what authority should be is, is uh, come out of, re- what, what authority should come from is respect. And we can each grant each other authority if we can respect what the other one is saying. But when we see somebody coming out of a place of just trying to be domineering or being fear-based, then we tend to take away that respect from that person and we don't listen to them at all. So that's a very tricky kind of thing. 
what I am suggesting that we do is that we are always focused on trying to support one another to be as integrated as we can bring be and bring forward whatever wisdom we have so that together we can make better decisions because we have more perspectives and more pieces to the puzzle. And for me, that higher consciousness where that is integrated is always the highest authority, which that higher consciousness that goes beyond what I could ever think or even all of us together could be thinking. So with that, I'd like to invite James to tell us about what's coming up next week. Yes. Our next edition of Inside Out will be Simran Singh, Inside a Spiritual Teacher. What causes someone to become a spiritual teacher who dedicates his or her life to inspiring others? Have you ever wanted that identity for yourself? What are the joys of this? What are the pitfalls of ego, expectations, and self-delusion that can accompany such an, such an identity? Meet Simran Singh, host of 1111 on Voice America's Seventh Wave, <clears throat> publisher of 1111 magazine and creator of the Rebel Road Tour. Many of you have heard her program and would like to know more about her from the inside out. We will be asking Simran about her early life as the child of an Indian Sikh family growing up in Bomberg, South Carolina. What can she share about living at the divide of two cultures? How did these experiences shape her personality? What was it like entering an arranged marriage? And why is she so passionate about transformation and authenticity? And how does she handle having a bad hair day? Join (laughs) us and call in or email your questions. And now, a final word from Beth. Well, that's the question I really want to ask Simran, which is, how do you handle a bad hair day? I know that we can say we can say that uh, you know everything is a message from God and all that. But if, how do you deal with your guts when you're going nuts? So I am so looking forward to this, and I know you are too. Lots of you listen to Simran Singh on Voice America, and uh, I'm looking forward to having a wonderful conversation with a lady that I don't know yet, but I'm looking forward to meeting. Uh, so until then, this is Beth Green. And inside out. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.